We are back. It is another episode of the Extra Bases Podcast with Bristol and Booth. You know who everybody is. We know who everybody is. I'm just stretching. You're just stretching? Yeah, I'm, I'm loose. I'm ready to go. Hey, the one thing that I've really been struck by is the White Sox now extending the netting from home plate to foul pole. It will no longer be just to the dugout. It will be to the foul pole. And listen, I know a lot of tough guys out there are going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's in the best interest no, of everybody. It's, it's a good thing. You know, it's, it's a good thing with the, the issues that we've had with fan safety. It's a good thing with um, the changes in attention span. If we're just, I mean, we're just going to be honest about it. There's a change in attention span with the younger fan, right? Um, Even the older fan. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, but, you know, it, and it's a surprise that the White Sox, um, you know, did that first. No one's done that yet. At the encouragement of the players, from what I read. Sure. And what always gets me, and I'm sure we'll get some comments on this podcast about this, mm -hmm. you have a lot of these tough guys who are like, man, put those phones down or, you know, listen, don't penalize us because some people are bringing their kids into seats where they shouldn't be. Here's my thing. Stop it. Okay? If I put you, you played how many years professionally? Uh, nine and a half. You played nearly a decade in professional baseball. If I put you in those seats, how many balls do you think that you could catch with your hands? Hold on, don't answer me. Yet. I give you two or three tops. Now can I answer you? Yeah. Okay, so, you know... If you're talking about foul balls that I would catch in the I'm talking screamers, not this, pop flies. I got it. But I'm, I'm going to go the whole gamut. And okay. I'm going to say foul balls in the stands that are, you know, hit with some kind of authority. Let's just go the whole thing. Okay. I'm going to say it would match my career stolen base total. <laughs> and that's a big zero. Okay. Because I don't see myself getting in the way of that. If I see a line drive coming at me and I'm in bare hands, I'm getting out of the way. Yeah. I'm not even trying to catch it. So... I don't have any problem with this. I think the tough guy argument is a bad one. I think it's uh, it's about fan safety. I think it's about fan enjoyment. We're in a different time now, and 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 this is one of the things you know. Progress is not always good for the sake of progress. This is a good step. You have people in their phones. You have people on their iPads. You have people watching the scoreboard now that you didn't have before. You didn't have it. And so, if we're going to go ahead and protect fans, want to drive up attendance. Does anybody really notice the little netting in front? of I didn't. I didn't because you can see, and when you your eyes adjust to the netting being in the, that barrier, it's it's not that tough. So kudos to the White Sox for doing it. I'm with you. I think it's a bad argument. Um, I think that Major League Baseball should step in and mandate that teams do it. It's not going to do it at this point. They should do it. You know, they they really should. And, and the players have asked for it. Um, and I think when the players ask for something. It always needs to be heard because they're the ones on the field. You know, you see an outpouring of emotion mm -hmm. from these guys when they hit these kids, right? Yep. And 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 uh, it, some of these guys are almost inconsolable, and they and they follow up, and it's like and and they and they try to find out who the player, how the, who the proud person's doing. You know, it, these guys are hitting the ball harder. That's a fact. Um, the that, swings, that's a big thing for me yeah, because this, at this point, guys are hitting balls harder than perhaps at any time in this game's history. Yeah, and there's no doubt about that. I agree with that. Um, and more consistently hard, mm -hmm. um, even if the swings aren't great, which is why they're missing down the lines more, which is another story all, you know, altogether. However, I agree with you. I, I think you know, kudos to the White Sox and, and the tough guy argument needs to go away. Tell that to a, a five-year-old that get hit in the side of the head. 
Also, here's one more thing to think about. Where do uh, players and managers and coaches and executives, where do they put their families when they go to the game? Where um, do they sit? In the skybox? No. Are you talking about inside? In the family section? Well, where is the family section? Yeah, it's behind it's close. the net. It's behind, yeah, it's, it's behind the net, behind the netting, behind home plate area. It used to be. Depending Listen, on the, I've had so many guys tell me, yeah. players, coaches, they see this happen constantly over a minor league season or a major league season. And yes, that is the safest place to be. It's behind the net. And these people, it drives me nuts. Some of these people that are saying, oh, uh, taking away my right to choose and enjoy the game and blah, blah, blah. Listen, I do have a bit of a problem with the netting that's used, but that's another story. Well, you know, Major League Baseball did this with um, when Mike Kulbaugh was hitting sure. the head. And, and they, died. And died. And they, and they mandated that base coaches now wear helmets. Let's not let it be that a fan has to die. One already has, not instantly, but due to complications, reportedly, I believe it was at a Dodgers game. Yeah, let's not let that happen to get some awareness here, okay? And, and you know, if you're talking about doing things for the safety of the game and the betterment of the game and enjoyment of the game, the netting isn't going to bother you. Get over it. Let's go ahead and let's put something up that's going to protect people. I'm sorry, man. I just had to get that off my chest. Okay. I, just, I just see these people on Twitter and I'm like, man, you have no idea. The way these balls come into the stands, the tailing action, some of the movement they have. Like, Side listen, spin. it is not, <laughs> it's not like a pop fly. I mean, you take a tenth of a second to react from what you were doing. It's too late. You cannot adjust. I feel like I know you pretty well, and I haven't heard you start anything off that we've done at any point with something like that that you're that impassioned about. So, you know, I mean, it, it's obviously something that hits home with you. Uh, it's something that when it comes to the young kids that are in the ballpark that are sitting up, you don't want them to get hit. Um, and, you know, like I said, the White Sox, who have been surprising all the way around yeah. this year anyway, are doing something that that is that needs to be done. It so drives – here's what it comes down to. Common sense, things that are common sense yeah. that people don't implement or fight – just whatever. Right. Uh, Justin Verlander giving up three home runs. Is this in where his we talk about start. hard contact? Are we talk oh, about yeah, hard contact. Nice transition, huh? Okay. Uh, Justin Verlander gave up three home runs in his last start. Certainly at his age, he has been as good as anyone has produced at this age in many, 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 many years. He is also, though, right now third in the American League in home runs given up. Is it simply a case of a guy trying to challenge guys with stuff that is not what it once was due to his age, or is it something else that you've seen? A couple things. You know, first of all, Justin Verlander has done an excellent job making the Matt Bush selection look not like a good one <laughs> over the last... Listen, Matt Bush did a lot to make yeah. that Matt Bush selection that, not what, look good. What year was that? 2003, Three, I think. So the last 17, 16, 17 years? I mean, but to his credit, he turned Matt Bush turned things around. He did. In the big. Still not Justin Verlander. No. But great job to, to, to Matt for doing what he's done. Anyway, Justin's done a great job in his career. He just deserves and has earned every inch, ounce, iota of respect. Um but with Cut what I chase, what man. I okay, Come on. what Come I on. saw yesterday was somebody who was mistake prone right now. Okay, and 
usually that's a mechanical issue. Now, from the angle that I saw, and I'm not, I wasn't at the ballpark. Yep. I'm watching angles. It looked like he was cutting himself off a little bit and flying his front side, and that's going to limit your execution. The three home runs he gave up yesterday have been indicative of some of the mistakes he's had all year. Up at the top of the zone, but not up enough with enough velocity. Uh, breaking ball that doesn't quite bury on the back foot and is, is hitting in, in, in an ambush spot. And then another pitch to a right-hander was right down the middle. You know, and, and you're not going to get away with that in any level of baseball, let alone the big leagues. And, you know, you're pitching in, I don't know how many home runs he's given up in, in Minute Maid, but he's pitching in some homer-friendly ballparks with a, with a live baseball right now. If anybody says, side note, that this baseball isn't juiced or, or live, they're kidding themselves, okay? This is absolutely live. There's, a, there's been a push in the game for a while now, and we all know this, about power. Power velocity, right, from the, from the arms, and power arms and power bats. And they're not new when it comes to scouting them. What's been different is how we've been trying to get to them, okay? Hence the strikeouts more than hits. To get back to Justin Verlander, if you're off with your execution and anybody is taking a little bit more of a shorter path to the baseball, and the three swings I saw yesterday were shorter path to the baseball. They weren't long. They weren't uphill. They weren't looped. They were direct contact path. He's supplying all you need to do to lift it. That's all you need to do. It's, it's, got, it's firm. It's in the hitting zone. And it's something that is not uncomfortable at all. And to get guys out, it's not about velocity. It's about making them uncomfortable, making them think. And if you're not doing that and you're mistake prone, you're going to give us home runs. And that's going to happen from time to time. Still, Verlander, when you look at his numbers, third in the American League and wins with his nine wins. Hits per nine innings. He leads the league with just over five. Yep. Walks and hits per innings pitch. He's at .743. That is also tops in the American League. And he is sixth in the American League in strikeouts per nine innings at uh, just... Uh, a little bit more than 11. So he has been tremendous. And especially when you consider how old he is, what he is doing, because I looked this up prior to the season, this is on pace with some of the best seasons we've ever seen from a guy this age, including, um, I would say one of the best seasons at the age of 36, Bob Gibson. That's a pretty good, he's pretty good company. He was all right. Yeah. You know, he, again, he's, he's a winner. He's, he's a champion. He is a leader. He has he's he's earned his position, right? Mm-hmm. And he's continue, he's sorry. He's continuing to earn his position. He's just not in a, in a spot right now where he's executing the way you'd like to. And if you're not executing the way you'd like to, you know, double A hitters are going to get you. It's the bottom line. They're going to get you. They wait you out. There's my four seamer down the middle. I'm, bam. If it's up in the zone, and I know I'm going to get it at some point. Bam. You have to execute to to make that happen. He hasn't done that. Biggest surprise thus far in Major League Baseball for you? Could be a player, it could be a team, it could be... I, I think it's pretty easy, but go ahead. Well, for me, it's the Chicago White Sox. Ah. Okay, it's Chicago White Sox. I, I honestly didn't think they'd be in this position mm-hmm. where they are, you know? Um, and part of that's because of the the uh, disparity in these clubs. You know, you have some really good teams, and man, you got some really not good teams, <laughs> you know? And... You know, even and, and the Rangers have surprised me as well. You know, yeah. the, the way they've played. But for the White Sox to be doing what they're doing, to I think they're early. But you know, the Phillies were early last year, right? And the Braves were early a little bit, and the White Sox were a little early. But however, they're showing that they have a chance to be pretty good for some time as long as they can keep it together. And and they've they've surprised me. You're so smart, man. You are so smart. Because the that. most surprising player in Major League Baseball has to be Lucas Giolito. Yeah. Right. Yes, he is. I mean, Giolito with 10 wins and ERA at just over 2.20. Personal favorite of? Daniel Gotera. 
member of the KHO 11 sports team. Hits per nine innings. He's just behind Justin Verlander, 5.6. This guy, highly, highly regarded in high school, had an arm injury. Scouted him. Still drafted in the first round by the Nationals and Mike Rizzo. 16, somewhere in that range? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely in that range. What do you remember from seeing him in high school? Man, it was 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 power, right? Well, It it was a long, loose body that needed to still get control of what he was doing, right? Um, but he could spin it. He had a he had a big upside, he had projection and ceiling and you know the velocity was there, but when you're when you're dealing with with pro tools, something that we lose all too much, when you're dealing with pro tools, there's once you establish you've got pro tools, there's a whole different set of criteria within that, right? People think act like ninety five is gonna get you 10 million bucks. Like, you know, who cares? Is that 95 is 90, good for you. It's what you do with that 95. And he had advanced pitch ability. Now, he had a Tommy John problem at mm-hmm. the time. Yep. And they took him anyway. Yeah. And, that, and that's, you know, it's worked out. And he was, who was part of the trade from Washington to the White well, Sox? Well, yeah. I mean, it was in the, the, uh, the outfielder, Eaton. Adam Eaton trade. Right. So, um, but he's, look, he's living into it now. You know, and, and guys that live into it a little bit later, what's Lucas now, 25, mm. 24? Guys that live look. into it a little bit later for Tennessee to be better, you know, because they have to work harder to get there. They have to overcome 24, 24, which, listen, I mean, that's still young. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's if he'd signed in, in college, he's on time. Made his major you know? league debut at the age of 21. There you go. And he was the 16th overall pick in the 2012 draft. It's about right. It's about right. So he's... You know, if he's if he's up at twenty one, signed at seventeen mm-hmm. with a with an, an elbow injury, and he's taken a couple years to figure it out in a city that's had a bad club. Yeah, so it hasn't been a big deal about him figuring it out there. That's where he's supposed to do it at that time. He's coming into his prime at the right time. He's, he's going to be good for the next ten years. I wonder how much Don Cooper has played a role in that. I mean, he has been. It's so funny that team has had so many White Sox managers come and go, right? Guys that have... It's interesting. It's been a revolving door, and then you've got this pitching coach who has been there for years and years and years. And I, I listen, I don't know. I haven't seen any articles on it, but I have to believe that Don Cooper is regarded as one of the best right up there with your Brent Stroms and... Um, Oh, Ray Searage yeah. from the Pirates. So I've got to believe that he's played Don, some kind of role in it. Don this. Cooper's an interesting um, tool of cohesion, is okay. what I would say. All because right. he's been there through everybody. You're right. Yeah. He hasn't gone anywhere. And the pitching in Chicago is hasn't always been great. But July 2002. It's been is, that long. Yeah. Wow. I mean, but it's been good. And, and look, the White Sox, one thing I say about this organization, and I, I am privileged enough to know some really good people that have worked there and still work there now, um, you know, they're, they're about people. Some of these organizations are not. There's an organization that isn't too far from here that's not really about people. It's about, um, well, something else. And, and this organization in, in Chicago is about people. Jerry Reinsdorf is about people. Kenny Williams is about people. Rick Hahn's about people. And if you do a good job, even as things change around you, you're going to stay. You have a chance to grow with the organization, grow with the times, and, and give you and have some impact. And you know, that's Don Cooper's testament to that. On an article in Fangraphs, it says he's really increased his sinker, uh, usage of his sinker. Giolito. Yeah. Yeah, east and west. And uh, his change has mm-hmm. become one of the most valuable pitches in his arsenal and possibly in baseball. Where does it say that his 95-mile-an-hour spin rate is what is getting guys out? Does it say that in there? I could have sworn I saw 
that his 11,000 spin rate at 96 was the reason. Oh, wait a minute. It was the sinker and the changeup. It was it was a guy with three pitches, right? So the sinker, though, is an east and west pitch designed to get ground balls. Now, pause. There isn't a hitter alive that's ever gone up there trying to hit ground balls. Okay, but back <laughs> to the point. Sinker, east and west, bear up on your hands, have to catch it out in front of the plate to lift it. He is executing that pitch, and he's getting in on guys with long swings that are now hitting balls off the handle. Welcome to pitching. He's also, wait for it, changing some timing with his changeup, according to Fangrass. Doesn't say anything in there about how he's overpowering guys with a spin rate. Show me a winning pitcher. Matter of fact, I'll do this homework next time. Okay. okay. Show me a winning pitcher, dominant winning pitcher, not just a guy who wins, elite pitcher that gets guys out on spin rate. Well, that's what they talk about. The first thing they're talking about is, man, he's getting guys out. It's 2,600. I don't want to hear that. I, you're not going to find it. I'm going to look myself. Okay. I want to see how many guys, I want to see if we're seeing Verlander or Cole or if what's making these guys effective is purely velocity. And the reason why I'm going to do that is because we've gone so far into this, um, this wave of velocity as king. It's not. It's disruption of timing. It's, it's execution. And it's, it gets guys thinking. If all, I, if all a hitter knows he has to do is get in the box and wait out power, at some point, you're going to get power. You're going to catch up. To and it. if you're going to get power and you know it, man, I don't care if I strike out the first time. I don't care if I had a ground ball short the second time. I'm going to get you twice, period. George Springer, before he got hurt, was doing an excellent job, not just in his mechanics, but a pitch selection. Just waiting guys out. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. You can't execute this. As soon as you, you're going to go to what your best pitch is, you're going to go to it at some point. And when you do, you're going to miss. And I'm going to get it. And that's what he did. Pitchers aren't going to go to their weaknesses. They're going to stay with their strengths. So many guys are being strong with velocity. They're getting, they're getting hit. Yet winning pitchers who are coming into their prime, who've always had a good arm, are figuring out how to pitch. Hmm. Novel concept. <laughs> guys that are hit teeing off on Justin Verlander, who is every bit of an ace, like even at thir- every bit of an ace, th- historic, historic mm-hmm. season at 36, okay, and these guys are taking short to the ball, pass, short pass to the baseball, and they're elevating and they're using their lower and they're, they're thinking, they're thinking with him. So when he makes a mistake and shows up in an area, they're getting it. That's what they're doing. That's all they're doing. That's hitting. It's called professional hitting. Professional pitching is the opposite of that. It's making sure guys can't feel comfortable. And that's what Lucas Giolito was doing. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to retract something I said to Daniel Gotera, who is a huge White Sox homer. Mm-hmm. He's a homer. Yeah. It's bad. It's okay, actually. though. It's frustrating. He doesn't sometimes. live there, so he can well, be a homer away yeah, from home. Yeah, whatever. It's, 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 it's tough to listen to. Lucas Giolito might be an ace. He might be coming an ace. He might be figuring out what he needs to do. And when he wants that 95 to his pocket, and he's going to go ahead and put you away with it. Because you know what? You can't wait on it. That's called reaching your ceiling, right? That would, that's, that's, that's correct, Jason. That's Thank absolutely you. correct. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of ceilings and floors and the draft, oh our last podcast got a lot of reaction because of your assessment of Me? Corey Lee, their Ooh. first round pick. That you were basically saying he was a third-round pick. Or later. Or later. That he was essentially a Max Stassi. Maybe. A a backup. Can I take a devil's advocate argument right now? The Astros' Jeff Luno was on the broadcast. On the Astros' broadcast saying that basically any of their first four picks, they considered them for their first pick. And that 
because they could go below slot on the first three picks, that allowed them to then pay over slot, well over slot for their fourth round pick, Colin Barber. Go on. Is it possible that the Astros played the percentages, had this game plan, and worked? Or are you still going to stand by your assessment that they passed up major impact just so they could um, get a guy who would agree to something a lot <clears throat> less when it comes you know, to bonus there's, money? So there, there's always strategy mm-hmm. is the answer to that. Okay, And, and I'm not going to poke holes and call the guy um, less than truthful. Let's okay. take it at face value because yeah. there's always strategy, right? Um, he said it. We're just going to hold him to what he said. Sure. All right? Um, you don't know what's going to happen behind you. Mm-hmm. You don't know who's going to look at you and go, yeah, you took Corey Lee. Screw you. I'm taking this guy. You don't know that. And if, if you're talking that way, it's almost like he had deals done before the draft. It's not supposed to happen like that, is it? supposed to go down the line and pick who's ever in your lap that you like. So strategy is one thing, but being so certain you can sign a guy in the fourth round and saving in the first round is a little bit touchy for me. It's a little touchy. It's one thing if you take a guy. So the Kansas City Royals did this a couple years ago. They took Hunter Dozier at eight, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, I, and I think they took uh, the left-handed pitcher, Manea, Sean Manea, Yeah. after that in the sandwich Who- pick. Would have been drafted probably a lot higher, but At had eight. some injury issues right. earlier. That was 2013. I remember that because we took DJ Peterson, and we thought, just so you know how this works, we thought they were going to take DJ Peterson at eight, and we'd get JP Crawford at 16. Mm. That's what we thought. Okay. Okay. Or at 12, rather. It didn't happen like that. Crawford went 16 to the Phillies, so we passed and took DJ Peterson because the Royals passed and took Dozier. You don't know what other people's boards are, you don't know what it looks like. So if that's your strategy, how are you still evaluating that kid above all the other players in the room that would have signed on the board at 32? Is there still, it's still inherently flawed, right? You can't draft backup players in the first round. You can't do it. You can't do it in the second round. I don't want to hear this floor argument anymore. you got to go get guys that are winning players. And we talk about impact and we talk about um, – uh, you know, guys are going to help win championships. And this whole city has been praying for Altuve and Springer and all these guys to get back because they're running out with Round Rock. And those guys are fine for once in a while. You want Max Stassi catching every day? No. Nobody wants Max Stassi catching every day. Great Max guy, Stassi though. doesn't want Max Stassi catching every day. Okay? And I don't mean that in, in anything but reality terms. And, and if you're building an organization and your draft philosophy is to take floor – in the first and second round, you're a failure. I don't want to hear that anymore. Take if you're if you evaluate a Colin Barber and you thought he was going to slide for signability and you pivot and then after day one, like, hey, you know what? This kid's on the board. That happens. These people have, hey, you know what? I want to play now. I wanted four million before. I want two and a quarter. Guess what? You might get it. You might get it because you don't know what's going to happen. But miss me. Miss me with this. This guy was the 32nd player in the country. Miss me on that. You have other options you could have taken before or right behind him. Next round, third round, ninth round. Matt Allen, who the Mets took in the third round, was sitting right there. He's going to turn around as a, and he's going to sign for a lot less than $4 million. I won't Miss me with that. Stop it. Start taking players that belong in those spots. I don't want to hear this philosophy anymore that is, it's bad for the game. It's bad for the game, and it's not something that 
that holds any water. Now, if you thought this guy was a third rounder, you took him in the second round, okay. Thought this guy was a fifth rounder, you took him in the third round, okay. If you think you want to balance out your ceiling pick ahead of you, there's a real lot of reasons to take this guy, but not at 32. And so there's other options you could have had in that spot besides Corey Lee. And I'll even go further. And I'll talk about the argument they need catching. You don't draft for need. Sure, let's just go right. With it. You don't hey, draft for need. You don't draft that kid at thirty-two. But let's roll with this anyway, okay? Let's say that they were drafting catching. Who they passed the year before? How's that kid doing in the Midwest League right now? Doing all right. Bone Ayler. Doing all right. But okay? he's a high school kid, and we know that that automatically still it's the wrong guy. It's the wrong guy. The Astros have, and I heard this last night from somebody else, relievers and swing and miss power bats. What they got? what they got where's your players where's your players that are let's use your term assets that you can turn around and trade to get something else you need you're just going to keep signing these guys the rest of the way you better you better and all these guys deserve to get paid springer's earning his money i don't hear you've heard or not altuve's locked up bregman how much is that going to cost well they sign him to an extension for, for now yeah. how much is that going to cost it possibly could be the biggest contract ever shelled out by the Astros, and, ever. And, and, and Carlos Correa? Somebody's going to pay these guys. What's your plan behind them? You have to start filling for plans behind them, and that's my point. I don't look and see the Houston Astros' current leadership drafting anybody that fills these guys beyond role players. Did we not learn from Brett Wallace? Right? Yeah. Do we not learn from DJ Peterson? Are we not learning from these floor guys that we're so certain are going to do this stuff? Because, man, the college numbers say so. Are we not learning from that? Are we not? Where's the impact? Where is, your, where is your tools? Where is your aptitude? And where is your instincts? Where are your winning players? You're just getting dead body. Let me, let me explain what that means. You're getting guys with no projection who just are good college performers. Show me one organization that's worked for. And if you can, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. I will. The A's back in 2002. Mm-hmm. The money ball draft. The money ball. How, how did that work? Like, t- Remind me, because maybe they don't remember. It didn't, it, how about this? It didn't work. And the Oakland A's, who were one of the first ones at the line, went back a decade ago and said, this ain't working. We're drafting tools. So they figured it out. What are you doing? I don't know. You know, I go back to that Moneyball draft, and I think in some ways it did work because they paid a lot less for a whole heck of a lot more guys, and you got you got Swisher out of it. Now, granted, Swisher was not a Moneyball guy. I mean, Swisher was universally they had loved, how many picks right? in the first round? Well, I don't know if it was the first round. It first was and the second first, round. Okay, first how many? Seven picks. picks? Yeah. How many of those guys hit? Uh, you could say uh, Tian. Two and a half. A little bit. Okay, that's a half. Tian, Blanton. One. And Swisher. Two. Two and a half out of seven? But that's... Well, you have a chance to change your whole organization. But, but there's been other drafts. I mean, I look at the uh, 1991 St. Louis Cardinals had a ton of picks. You're talking um, Brian Barber, a pitcher. Yeah. Didn't make it. Basil Shabazz, an outfielder from the Arkansas high school ranks. You know, it's not uncommon for teams to have a ton of picks. One that did work out, I think, was the 1990 Expos, Rondell White. He was okay. Shane Andrews. Yeah. 
Um, I I want to think Gabe White, the pitcher, was in that group. Let, 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 let's get to let's get to what your I think your point is that I'm hearing you. I think your point is that there's there's plen, plenty of drafts with multiple picks that haven't worked. Yeah, no, that's okay? right. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, that is. But the what point. I, what I'm saying is it's not about gathering more information. It's not about deeper looks at statistics or analytics or everything you can do for information is good. That's not the problem. The problem is what you're prioritizing as your information. Are you afraid to take impact in the first round? Are you afraid to take upside in the first round? Nobody else is. Nobody else is, whether yeah. it's college or high school. Are you afraid of it? And, and it's not, an, it's not it's a rhetorical question. Like it's not, you have your track record to stand on right now. It's not, even about, it's not even about what you could possibly say, you, whoever, could possibly say back. There's a track record now of what picks you'll take and what they'll do. Do we Are we drafting high performers in the low minor leagues? Is that the point? Because I got news for you. Other teams got scouts, amateur and pro, and they're figuring it out. They're smart. There's a baseball person alive who's the smartest guy in the room. There's a scientist alive who's the smartest guy in the room. Everybody has an equal somewhere, and there's other smart people. It's a big planet. And if you're going to put yourself in that situation, you can't think you're smarter than everybody else. They're going to figure it out. Something about this has been done before. Something about this power explosion has been done before. The game is always going to course correct, and if you're not careful, it's going to course correct on you. Real quick, though, it's nice to see a kid like Colin Barber get his money. Uh, here's a kid. I'm just reading this on the runnersports.com. He signed for a million bucks, which is some 600 grand over the pick the value, right? Good for him. Uh, what's interesting is the week before he signed his letter of intent to go to Oregon, uh, they had that devastating fire uh, where... Um, he lives, and his mother's car was burned in this campfire. Uh, she was a pharmacist at the uh, a, a, a pharmacy, a hospital rather, which is now closed. Um, his dad had been helping at evacuation centers uh, in his role as a local nurse. So uh, you know, it's it's good to see money go to people that can use it. So I think right there, um, that is a situation where um, this kid apparently had a price and the Astros were able to make Look, it, it and a, meet it. It's a win for both kids. And no one's saying that Corey Lee isn't a pro of some kind. Yeah. Right? It's a win for both kids. We're because not, we're he not got a saying. lot more bonus than he... He got, he got what? At least... What a million and a half dollars more doubled, than what he, he would have gotten. He doubled it. All right? right. It's not. It's not something where Corey Lee wasn't a prospect. Yeah. It's not something where he wasn't. Just isn't a first round prospect. It's not something that he wasn't seen as a big leaguer. And good for Colin Barber that it worked out that way. But this is pro sports. This is a business. And even though we're talking baseball here, look across town a little bit at another team mm -hmm. that is in this city okay. who's been high profile. Yeah. And how's that working out with two of their biggest stars? Mm. Okay. It's a it business. It depends on what you read. It's a business though. It's a business. And at the end of the day, wins is what keeps people employed. Players, managers, coaches, scouts, front office personnel. It's about wins. And we're riding the coattails of a championship that feels about nine years ago. It was only two. It feels a long time ago. I'll tell you what. You know what's fresher in my mind? Hmm. The experience we had in Fenway Park where they gave away game two, and Joe Smith hit a ball to you know, gave up the pitch to yeah, Saturn, threw the ball. The, right. That yeah. that uh, that's to me. That's what's fresh in my head. It's not. It's about how are you going to wait a minute? How are you going to take it back? How are you going to take it back? 
How are we going to do it? So that's where I'm, that's where I'm at with it. And I'm, look, I came in here today, man, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to get fired up. We're going to talk baseball. We're going to talk about all this. And look what I've done. You got, you got me going. You got me going. And I, here, here we are, and, and we're back to saying these guys haven't done things that are all bad. They haven't, they're not Voldemort. They're not, you know, some, yeah. they're not that. Yeah. They haven't done things that are all bad, okay? Um, they're actually on the other side of it. They're actually, what, what's, what's that, Gryffindor? Right? I they're the Gryffindor know. clan. I, okay? I don't know. I'm sorry. So when it comes to what that is, they've done some really good things when it comes to, you never read Harry, Harry Potter? Great things. I read Harry Potter yeah. and I saw the movies. I'm afraid to say it. I don't so time, man. Anyway, um, Griffin, the bottom line is they've done some good things in trades, they've done some things in, in free agency, they've done some good things there. Great but let's, things. let's not get away from what they've done. That's all I'm saying. Let's understand what that is. And, and we're talking about the draft. At some point, that's going to run out. you got to have assets. Can I get off my soapbox now? Well, guess what? Uh-oh. Let me... <laughs> Can somebody can somebody give me that gasoline can here so here I can go. put more on the fire? Here we go. Because you know, I was looking at the numbers of Seth Beer in Double A, who you were not a big fan of last year in the draft, and right now he's not hitting lefties. Do we now have a guy who's just a platoon player? Is that what the Astros drafted in the first round? A platoon player who who coming from Clemson and what we were led to believe is historic production, and you're thinking, oh, okay, this is a this is a guy who's going to get here quick. But man, right now he cannot hit lefties. Now, 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 when you say historic, I didn't say historic. Okay. So you, I think it was inferred that it was historic. Or what is it? Wait, was it an actual quote? Um, I I I don't remember now because we've kind of taken that and and run with it. So I, I have I to go back and listen. But. Pretty sure it was a quote. Yeah. All right. Um, how do I say this? You drafted Jeremy Giambi in the first round. Now, do you know where Jeremy Giambi actually went in the draft? Because I do. Fourth, fifth round, fifth. Great pick. It's a great pick. Yeah. Fifth round's a great pick. First round, not so much. Okay, you got somebody who doesn't have a position, plays left-hand hitter. That's what he does. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that we're worried about Jordan Alvarez not having a position. At Stop least it. you've got the bat, right? Uh, Carlos Delgado, uh, Ortiz. I mean, this kid's going to have some serious impact and upside. And he, arri- he arrived in the big leagues the way you want to arrive. Yeah. Not the way Kyle Tucker got here. This kid arrived with, with authority. This kid... What's the line for Bull Durham? I want to announce my presence with authority. This kid got here with authority. He showed what he can do. He uh, stepped to the stepped in this in the arena mm-hmm. with a with a group whose slogan this year is "Take It Back." With a lot of expectations, gigantic expectations. With a team that had members that are down. All their stars are down. Position player wise, are down. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and he hits five home runs, four, four in five games. That's how you arrive, man. That's how you do it, and 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 w- the way he did it, the first home run was left center, off the almost off the train. And what was the report we got? All fields power. That approach is going to work. Now look, just like Corbin Martin on game, on the first night, he has to learn the league, and they're going to learn him. But the way he did things shows he has a role here. Corbin Martin, who's now back in AAA, he lived into the concerns I had, which was everything was hard, and guys are going to figure that out the first time around. But he's got a role here. Now, what it is remains to be seen, but he's got a role in the big leagues, right? Those type of guys, who, by the way, second rounder, Corey Martin, mm-hmm. right? Those type of guys 
have some kind of value and they do what they're supposed to be doing. Seth Beer, on the other hand, and, and look, I say this gently because I really like the guy I'm about to refer to, is it can very quickly shape up to be A.J. Reed. A.J. Reed was a Golden Spikes winner. A.J. Reed has been pull happy. He has not hit left-handers well. He has struggled against right-handers because of the shift, which that, this is a guy you shift on, right? And, and Seth Beer is now in double-A, not A-ball, where you're going to hit mistakes constantly. He's in double-A with his peer group, really, and he, they're figuring him out. Justice Sheffield destroyed him last night. Seattle Mariners, okay? Slider, 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 fastball, slide. Good night. You have to be able to show you can defend that to get a pitch you want. It's his second year. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt yeah. because it's his second year. But his approach was pull power. That's what his approach was. Why he hit 298 in college? It was pull power. If you take that approach against pro pitching, when, you, when your talent meets theirs, they will beat you. You have to be able to play. And that was the concern with taking him in, what they paid, 28 last year? Tim 28? No, I think it was higher than that. So that was the concern with taking him you know, ahead of Cleveland. Cleveland took Naylor right behind him. That was the concern. It wasn't that he wasn't a prospect of some kind. It was that you took him there. You do that too many times in a row, you don't have anything. Seth Beer is not coveted around the league. No, he's, he's not, not even in Baseball America's top 100 prospects. And he, does, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. And I, and I feel bad because in any other organization, we'll be talking about, man, you know, if Seth Beer was a third rounder, he's in double A already. That's pretty good. He'll figure it out. But instead, he's a first-round pick, and he's got the weight of what that's supposed to mean because these guys thought they were smarter than everybody else taking him there, right? If you take this kid in the second, third, really third, fourth round, it's an exceptional pick. It's not in the first round. So, you know, the kid's got to figure it out. He's got to kind of go the other direction and set his eyes a little bit different and try to stay on the ball better. Um and, and, and begin to defend that away before he starts worrying about driving everything. And, and if he does that, he's got a chance. If not, it's going to be it's over before it starts. He was he he was oh, draft, he was drafted twenty eighth overall. Twenty eighth overall. Yeah. I was just David Paul's here, everybody. I was just talking about you in the weather last year. Oh, oh yeah, all uh, the complaints. Well, too much rain right, I said that. It's a great yeah. to it's great to see the bromance well, like yeah. this. So. <laughs> no, I mean this is good. This is behind the scenes. This is what people want to see because We're no. Quite oh, you got work to do? Yeah. It's quiet, though, isn't it, David? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you can play baseball this Saturday. <laughs> it's 194 outside. Of course you can. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's funny. We've now gone 39 minutes, Jeremy. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. All Wasn't right. Wasn't there something else? Yeah, but I don't think we have time for it. How was it? Um. Oh, the cape. We'll do that next you time. You sure? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that next time. All right. All right, everybody. For Jeremy, I'm Jason. Thanks for tuning in to the Extra Bases Podcast.